Hey, everybody. This is Paul Gilbert from Racer X, Mr. Big, and, of course, my solo records. And uh, you are listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalhead, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to episode 288 of Focus on Metal. This week will be of a decidedly guitar bent, oddly enough, kicked off by the non-player of any of the co-hosts. That would be Richie, talking to Paul Gilbert all about his brand new one, I Can Destroy, as well as a lot of other things Paul's been up to lately. And I'll be following that up with an interview with Tyler Morris, an up-and-coming 18-year-old fast-rising guitarist from Massachusetts. So lots of guitar and guitar talk on this week's show. So with all that being said, let's launch into some guitar. Kicking off the show there with a little track from a guy called Andy Martin from his album Brother from Another Mother. That one's called Seen It All, Had Enough. And he's rocking that tune out on an Ibanez. And of course, another Ibanez player is our first guest, Paul Gilbert. So Richie sat down with Paul a few days ago, talking all about Paul's new release, I Can Destroy, talking about a lot of other things as well. Back with Paul, of course, Richie's got to mention Mr. Big, since he's a big Mr. Big fan. And uh, just as a true disclosure here, yeah, we had a bit of a, a bit of a technical mishap at the beginning, hooking up with Paul, trying to get the whole interview going. 
And uh, that was all due to an error by me and as far as not getting the board panned correctly so that, uh, yeah, things didn't work out too well. But big thanks to Paul for sticking with us, allowing us to work out my uh, my technical screw up on the board. I guess that's the downside of having an overly complicated studio setup is sometimes one little thing like a pan control is going to kill you. But anyways, Paul stuck with us. We got it all sorted out. Got back to where we needed to be. Had a great interview with Paul, and uh, Richie did a nice job on it. And you'll hear that right after we roll the title track of I Can Destroy. That's better. There we go. <laughs> How you doing, Paul? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm good. You you another guy on the West Coast? I'm on the West Coast. I'm in Portland, Oregon. Nice. You you never got the uh, the Vegas or the Nashville bug, did you? To to move away like a lot of a lot of musicians. Um, I don't know if I would fit in in Nashville. No. Actually, I I know some very some fantastic people that live there, and so maybe it would be fine, but. Uh, as a guitar player, humidity is kind of my enemy because it rusts my strings, and then it it's not as e- it's not it's not as much fun to bend, and so I, I tend to like drier climates. Okay, what about Vegas? They're definitely not Vegas. I, I, I lived in Vegas for about ten years, and it was nice and dry. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I I probably didn't take advantage of it as much as I should have because there actually were a lot of great musicians there. I was just um, really didn't want to didn't want to connect at all to anything that had anything to do with a casino. Hmm. So uh, you know, I, I kind of just stayed to myself, and I might as well have been living on the moon. And uh, after that, I moved to Japan for a while, and then back to LA, and uh, and now I'm in Portland. Yeah. So how, how's your Japanese? Is it pretty good? No, it's. Uh, I mean, I studied for a long time, and 
I learned a little bit of Japanese and a lot of humility. Yeah. Just from, from, from trying something that I was bad at. And there's plenty of things that I'm bad at, but usually I give them up right away. And that one I really stuck at. And, uh, so I learned what, it, what it's like to, to struggle with something. And, uh, and that was helpful. I think I became a much better guitar teacher because uh, now I really, if my, if some of my students are struggling with something, I, I now know what they feel like. Yeah. Do, do you mind me asking uh, just a couple of questions before we do talk about your, your new record? Um, how's Pat Torpy doing these days? Well, since, since I moved to Portland, I haven't seen him in, uh, since then. I, I usually see Pat when I stop by, um, a rehearsal studio that he, uh, hangs out at a lot. And last time I saw him there, he was doing great. Hmm. He, uh, you know, he was in good spirits. He, he looked good. So I, I was really happy to see him doing, doing so well. Um, but I, I think we're going to do a couple of Mr. Big shows later this year. So the chances are I'll see him then and I'll, I'll know more. Yeah. I, I think it was a great thing what you did with Mr. Big on the last tour that, you know, Pat was able to come out with you. I know he had Matt Starr playing drums and he couldn't play a full set, but I, I think from the fans' perspective, it was a really, really nice thing that you guys did there. Well, we we wanted him to be there. I mean, he's, he's the drummer of Mr. Big, so mm. and whatever whatever he can do, we want him there to do it. Yeah. Now, now the other thing that's obviously in the news these days, and I'm sure you can relate to this, is uh, Brian Johnson, of course, can't tour with ACDC anymore because of hearing problems and I know you've had your issues over the years with your hearing absolutely well, I, I, you know I finally got a good pair of hearing aids and uh, that brought me back a little bit it's um, it, it surprised me you know be, before I had a lot of hearing loss I always thought like it would be you know the music would be affected and in a way uh, you know it, it doesn't really change the way I hear music other than, you know, sometimes I have to tell the drummer that I'm just not going to be able to hear the hi-hat and that he's just going to have to follow me instead of the other way around. But uh, for it's the main thing is just speech and talking to people. And for that, the, the hearing aids help a lot. I mean, it's not, it doesn't really give me my hearing back. It's not like I'm 12 years old again, but it's certainly better than without them. And so I, I'm really happy that those machines exist. Yeah. So, so what about singing? Um, because one of the things that like, people, you know, to, to, uh, differentiates a lot of singers that can, that can actually sing and can sing is pitch. Do you have any problems like hearing your, your pitching voice when you're singing? I think I've always had problems with that. I don't. I don't think that's that's to do with hearing. That's just to do with having a having a voice that I wish was a little better. Yeah. Um, but uh, obviously, it's very helpful to be able to hear yourself. You know, I don't. It's not like a guitar where I can look down and there's frets. Mm. So um, I would say for that, the thing that's helped me is, in a way, to to pick a style of music where where it's it's more of a bluesy style, and I can sort of. Uh, you know, bend my way into a note, you know, the, like you do in, in a more of a blues song as opposed to where you have to just hit it right on, which, which is more of a like pop style of singing. Yeah. And like the new record I, I Can Destroy was, was the original intent for you to sing all the tracks on it or because you see the trend these days, um, the guitarists will get a lot of guest singers to sing on it. Well, I guess so. I mean, it's, uh, I, I mean, I, I kind of sing just well enough where I can, I can, uh, squeak by and hopefully be interesting just because, you know, anybody who's, anybody who sings, is just going to have a character. Um, and whether, you know, even though I might wish that I had the voice of a Ronnie James Dio or a Robin Zander or a Paul McCartney, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I've got, I've got something unique, you know, it's, uh, 
you know, it's, it's my voice has got a certain tone to it, and it's and it's an interesting challenge to see what what I can make it do. And I've I've discovered a lot more about what it does well. You know, I, of course, growing up as a heavy metal fan, I wanted it to you know operatic. You know, sound like Jeff Tate from Queensryche, and I just couldn't hit those notes. And so lately, I've been, you know, singing more of a bluesy style. You know, we might hear from, you know, in the range of uh, muddy waters, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it's just a song like, um, for example, I-, "I am not the one who wants to be with you." You know, I'm singing at a much lower range. You know, "I am not the one who wants to be with you." You know, it's just down there, and that I can. And I actually could, I can sing with some authority. That just fits my instrument better. So I think those kind of choices, you know, realizing like, okay, just like a like a guitar or a bass, you know, they, they have their range and, and you sort of write and compose for it based on that. And uh, I've, I've been trying to do the same thing for my voice lately and it seems to help. Yeah, the, the one thing that jumped out on me when I heard the record was you mentioned like you're brought up on heavy metal. This is definitely not a heavy metal record. It's very much rooted in the 60s and the 70s to, I hear some Elvis I hear some Tin Lizzy I hear some Leonard Skinner I hear some Carpenters I, it's very very varied record yeah well it's uh, and also what heavy metal means has really changed over the years I mean when I was a kid Led Zeppelin was a heavy metal band and yeah. I don't know, I, th- I think people now would, would probably call them something different. You know, it'd be classic rock or, you know, like a, a loud blues band, which is actually pretty accurate. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but anyway, I, I mean, I, I love the, the metal that I grew up with. You know, the, 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 you know, definitely listen to a ton of, again, what was metal at the time. You know, to be, when I was a kid, Van Halen was metal. You know, the ACDC was metal. Um, so... You know, that, that's, you know, and of course, you know, bands that are more typically metal, like Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, Ozzy, I was listening to all that stuff. Uh, and so in a way, my, my attack of things, you know, the way that I, the way that I hit the guitar is, is, is influenced by growing up with that. You know, I think I still have a, a bit of the, the anger that, 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 that happens, you know, from being a metal musician. But certainly growing up in the 70s, I also listened to a lot of pop radio, and I, uh, and I love, you know, a lot of the music that was written by piano players from that time. You know, like you mentioned, the Carpenters, Elton John, uh, the Beach Boys, the Beatles, you know, that, 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 that was stuff I spent a lot of time listening to at the same time that I was listening to Ozzy and Iron Maiden. So it, it all sort of gets into that soup, and, and you know, what comes out, comes out. Yeah. Now, uh, Kevin Shirley, of course, is probably the perfect producer for this sort of music. Uh, what makes him such a special producer these days? Oh, he he just aims things in the right direction. He emphasizes the right things, and, uh, and uh, you know that brings up the question: What are the right things? And I th- I think um, a lot of it has to do with with live performance, and that's you know, it's sort of a cliche, you know, here, you know, any band say, well, it's live, it's live, it's live, but it really is meaningful. And it, you really get things that are, are unique and, and, and that have a staying power. I mean, I, I find that the music that I'm attracted to as a listener is, is things where I can sense that a human being played it. And, uh, and these days, especially with, with, with pro tools or with editing, you can kind of suck the, the humanity out of a recording. And a lot of times it's in the interest of making it perfect. Uh, and there's, there's certainly something good about that, but it gets to the point where, you know, when you lose that humanity, it, it might be perfect, but it's not as interesting or it's, and, uh, it, it's, it's funny because there, there's things in this record where when, when I would hear, 
when I you know listen to the playback and I'd go like, oh, we got to fix that. And Kevin would go, no, it's it's, it's fine, leave it. And those things ended up being some of my favorite things, you know, just little weird little sounds that would only happen once and that they, you know, came from me being a human being and not a robot. And that's, uh, you know, of course, there's a balance. I don't want it to be an album of like, you know, 100% mistakes and chaos. But, uh, you know, I, I, I like it. I like that balance of it being, you know, a human being who's worked pretty hard to get it right. And, you know, the, the, the occasional place for it where you can hear me like struggling to get it back on track. And that, that little bit of struggle is, is a nice thing to, to hear and to feel. Yeah. Now, Paul, he's someone who tends to do albums very, very quickly. Um, it, does that suit you or are you someone who likes to labor in the studio? Well, it, I've done both and it, uh, so there's good things about both. I mean, I I, I must admit, I, I'm more as time goes on. I'm really, I'm really enjoying the the quick records. I, I just think that you you get better things that way. But you do have to prepare for it. I mean, there's there's some things where where you wish that you had had more time to prepare, and and that's that's sort of the good fear that that Kevin Shirley puts into your heart as a musician is you you know you've got to be prepared enough to to get to say what you want to say. And if you didn't come to the studio, you know, prepared with, you know, the, the song and, as it should be, and then the, the, the solo somewhat worked out and the, the melodies that you're going to sing, then the, you're, you're not going to really have the chance to, to, to fix those things up later. But uh, that's the best kind of fear because, it, you know, then you do, you, you do come prepared. And that's what I, I tried to do. Yeah, no, the songs on this record... Um are they all new or some of them many years old or a bit of a combination? I think they're all new. I mean, the, uh, of course I did a, the, you know, the, I covered, um, Great White Buffalo, which is an old Ted Nugent song, mm. but of the, of the ones I wrote, it's all new stuff. I mean, I, maybe the only old thing was, uh, I think the guitar riff in I'm not the one who wants to be with you. That, that was kind of based off this one, lick that I used to play when I was a teenager, like when I was 14 years old. But it is, it's not the same. I mean, I, I, I switched it around, but that's, that's something that's just part of what, you know, one of my licks that I've been doing forever. Yeah, and i, I got to say that uh, I love the, your sense of humor on some, on some of the tracks, especially well, like the, the, first, the first track. I'm like, right, who is this a gradual thing that pissed you off or <laughs> signals? Well, I'm like, or did well, someone do something to you recently or what? Oh, no, it, it's a gradual thing, but it... Um, that's actually one of the reasons I moved to Portland is just so I could be a pedestrian. <laughs> <laughs> I figure if I'm, if I'm writing songs like everybody use your goddamn turn signal, it's, it's time for me to drive less. I should, <laughs> I should, I should stay out of the car. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you've had experiences when you've been abroad as well. There's some of the, some of the European drivers can be a bit nuts in Italy and Spain and these places. Yeah. Well, there I'm, I'm letting the bus driver take care of it. So I don't, I don't experience it firsthand. <laughs> Yeah, well, I got to say that I, before I came down earlier on tonight, I was putting on knocking on uh, knocking on a locked door, and my thirteen month old daughter was on the floor next to me, jumping up and down, oh, listening to it. So, if she has a seal of approval for the record, you have it for me too, Paul. <laughs> well, that, that's uh, that, that reminds me. I always remember uh, this is years ago when I was living in Las Vegas, and uh, I had a neighbor who was. They had a bunch of kids. One one of the girls was was in. I think she was in third grade, and she said, uh, "You know, she knew as a rock musician." She said, "You know, can you come into my school and, and play for my class?" 
I thought, oh, sure, you know, what the heck. And so I, I went in and I, I had just come off of doing, you know, a, a long clinic tour in, in Europe. And I was, you know, when you when you do a clinic tour, it's all guitar players in the audience. And so I, you know, I, my hands were in really good shape and I could do all my fast licks. And I, you know, I'm in front of, suddenly in front of an audience of kids that are eight years old. And so I, you know, I came up my guitar and I go, I play incredibly fast things. And I stop, and they're silent, and they they look at me like I'm, you know, like, <laughs> like I'm playing utter gibberish. And I thought, well, this isn't this isn't working. And so I, I just started playing, you know, some. I think I played "Summer of '69" by Brian Adams or something that had a groove to it. You know, and immediately their heads start bobbing, they start clapping, they start to get a big smile on their face. And I and I just realized, you know, that guitar stuff is just a small little niche. Of hobbyists, you know, people that's that's they're in into this really narrow art, and that that doesn't actually that doesn't mean it's bad, you know. I mean, there there can be great arts that appeal, that appeal to a, a you know a small little niche of people, but you know, there's there's something really powerful about just creating a groove, and uh, and that was that was brought home to me in, in a very uh, obvious way by playing for for eight year olds. I always always remember that. <laughs> yeah, the kids teach you a lot, Paul. <laughs> Yeah. The album, are you planning on going out to do shows to promote it, or, or are you just going to go do, back to do Mr. Big in a few months' time? Well, both, actually. We're, we're going to do a few Mr. Big shows, and I'm, and I'm also going to do uh, some extensive touring through Europe, and I think the USA next year, and uh, a show in Japan, and maybe some stuff in South America. So, yeah, I'm de- definitely planning some shows. You're going to try and get the same guys that played on the album, same drummer? Oh, yeah. I, I mean... Whoever I, whoever's available and whatever I can afford. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I, 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 the, the band was so good. You know, I, I love playing with, with everybody. You know, and and I, I've, I've toured with Thomas Lang before, and he was fantastic. Yeah. So, so do you think Mr. Big will end up doing another record? Oh, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I have no idea. Actually, I mean, I, I, I hope we do. It'd be, it'd be great. It's always fun to see what we come up with. It's a, you know, great musicians, great songwriters. Um, and it's it's interesting, is it? You know, that, that's a band because it's a band. I think there's there's more pressure on us to sound like us. You know, we we we're, we're supposed to sound like Mr. Big as, as a solo artist. Uh, in a way that this, you know, my my records and even within the same record, I, I vary my style so much. You know, I've got you know a song like uh, the title track, "I Can Destroy," which mm. really it is kind of metal. And then I might have a ballad like "Love We Had," which is much more of a much more of an acoustic ballad. And I guess that maybe that does happen with Mr. Big. Obviously, we got to be with you, acoustic ballad. We have songs like "Daddy Brothers," so maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, just before I let you go, uh, social media sites, Twitter. Do you want to give those out? Oh, uh, Facebook well, I- and. Yeah, I get to think. I don't know if I know what they're called. <laughs> <laughs> you're not. You're not the first guy to forget, and you won't yeah. be the last. Well, I don't. I don't know if I ever knew them. <laughs> well, let's see. I should. The, the thing that that I should mention is I, I've got a uh, an online rock guitar school mm-hmm. that, that I put a, quite a bit of energy into. I just finished over four thousand uh, videos for it, and. Uh, you know, it, it keeps on going. I, 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 you know, put new videos on there daily, and it's uh, that's with a company called Artist Works. 
So if you go to artistworks.com and, uh, you know, I, I mean, there's a lot of different teachers. There's, you know, jazz players and drummers and clarinet players and you know, every instrument imaginable. But I'm the, I'm the rock guitar teacher. And uh, I've, I've really enjoyed doing that. And I'm really building up a, a pretty amazing library of, uh, of videos. And they're, they're videos, you know, for specific people. These are all in answer to, um, to the students' questions. But again, if you sign up, you have access to everything. And including the, the 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 full rock guitar course and then these four thousand plus videos that I've done, and uh, and you can send one, you know, you can make your own video and send it in, and I'll reply to it, and it's it's really a, a cool way to to interact because I can actually listen to anybody play. So check out artistworks.com and my my rock online guitar school. Man, that's I think that's a great thing, Paul, because you know a lot of people they don't really get to you know, associate with, with guys like yourselves. And now with modern technology, it's very easy to do. Absolutely. And, uh, and I, I enjoy it. I mean, it's, uh, there's a lot of ways to interact with, with the people that listen to my music, but I must admit that I would, it's, uh, the, the way that's, that resonates the most with me is with people that play guitar. You know, we were, we're, we're working with the same art and it's really fun to do it together. Yeah. What, what age of kids, what would be the youngest kids you get on that? Like, would you get any of the eight year olds that you went diddly, diddly, diddly with? <laughs> <laughs> there are some young kids. Absolutely. It's great to watch them play. Yeah. I really enjoy the, the beginners because I can, I can save them a lot of time. I can really, you know, keep them from, from, I can make sure they're working on stuff that's, that's really going to be powerful and uh, lead them in the right direction. But there's, yeah, there's all ages, all, you know, people. I mean, rock is a big category. So there's, you know, people that are working on classic rock and on blues, on metal, on, you know, on pop. You know, fusion. There's just just about everything. Yeah, I'm just wondering, would you get a lot of them asking you what equipment to start with, or, or like, you know, or would you just go with what they have, or would you like guide them a little bit on that? Oh, there's, there's. I mean, it's it's really open. We talk about gear. We talk about how to play. We talk about. Uh, it's just, just, I mean, after 4,000 videos, there's very little that I have not talked about. <laughs> yeah. We've, we've, but it, it's still, there's, music is endless, so there's always more. Yeah, I've got to say, Paul, that's a, that's a really nice thing you're doing there. And I don't, I don't, I don't play now, so maybe I can start. <laughs> you, you could. We'll get, we'll get you playing right away. All right. All right, Paul. Well, I'll leave you go, and uh, thanks for talking to me. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Yeah, you too, Paul. Okay, uh, bye.
not the one who wants to be with you When it comes to loving, we're not thinking with our heads But fool yourself, and I won't tell you lies Just keep on looking, cause who knows what you'll find figure that one out that uh, second track from paul is called i'm not the one who wants to be with you again off his brand new one i can destroy so go out and pick that one up or a great eclectic paul gilbert music never know what the guy is going to put out what to expect and there's some blues on there there's obviously some uh there's some of the shred stuff for you some pop in there as well just as usual from paul Whatever he feels like doing, that's what he does. So our second guest this week is Tyler Morris, 18-year-old guitar player from Massachusetts. Guy was discovered back when he was about 16 years old. That's when he put out his first CD called And So It Begins. Had a feature done on him in Guitar Player Magazine. He's been in Heavy Riff Magazine. Actually, he's been on the cover of Heavy Riff Magazine back when he was 16. Incredible stuff there. And uh, despite me being from Massachusetts and Tyler also being from Massachusetts, never heard of the guy until a few weeks ago when uh, my buddy Dave Reffitt shot me an email and said, hey, Scott, you know, there's a dude I think you should have on the show. So he sent me some of Tyler's stuff. And I was like, you know what, Ref, you're right. Guy we should have on the show. And I thought that this is the perfect show to have him on. Paul Gilbert, Tyler Morris, just kind of a whole guitar focused show. It all fell together. And I'll tell you now, and just in case I forget to tell you at the end, but if you want to find out more about Tyler and pick up either one of his CDs, you go to tylerdmorris.com. So one of Tyler's favorite tracks, or Tyler's favorite track off of his brand new release called The Chaos Continues is a track called Subterranean Inferno. So we're going to spin a little bit of Subterranean Inferno and then go right into my interview with Tyler Morris.
right, guys, got a great guitarist on the line for you. I figure it's a nice matchup with Paul Gilbert this week, and that would be Tyler Morris, a fellow Massachusetts native, so always happy to uh, support not only the East Coast players, but also a, a Massachusetts player. So on the line with me tonight is Tyler Morris. How we doing, man? Hey, man, I'm doing great. You? Pretty good. It's pretty impressive looking at your resume and, and looking at all the people that you've played with in such a short amount of time. And I just look and I go, man, I should have practiced more. But uh, congratulations for you for uh, for really being able to uh, step up so uh, so quickly in the scene. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I mean, I practice um, every day. I try to practice about six hours at least uh, during the week because of school. I usually end up doing four and during the weekends, uh, I'll usually get up to eight hours because I'm generally more free then. Nice. That's uh, definitely a lot of dedication there. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't know. I guess maybe if I'd put in that many, that much time, I'd be uh, I'd be a heck of a lot better than uh, than I am. But uh, I- I'm glad that uh, you definitely put in the time and uh, and and obviously it pays off with a lot of the people, like you said. So I mean, your main gig right now is uh, is with James Montgomery, correct? Yeah. Um. As a matter of fact, I just played. I gig with him yesterday um, at Club Pestine. And that's, I mean, that's a, that's actually a pretty impressive gig though, too, that, I mean, a guy who's been around for as, as long as James and a pretty demanding guy for you to be able to go out and, uh, and do that is, uh, is amazing. Yeah. It's, I mean, he's really been mentoring me and um, actually that's what, what the gig yesterday was, was it was filmed for television. Um, I'm not sure what channel it's going to be on yet. Uh, it's this new series about, mentoring and he he proposed the whole series and he said hey can i get tyler on and what i did is i picked about uh 14 tunes and then he did his set of about four tunes and i played on those as well and we i i kind of i proposed most of the tunes so i mean you usually i stick to his set and stuff but i proposed some like freddie king and albert king and you know, that was really fun because Usually, I don't do that with them. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's definitely digging back with some of that stuff as well with those guys. Yeah. I, I mean, I listen to everything from. I mean, I even listen to George Benson, some jazz dudes. But I mean, I listen to everything from Van Halen to Ingve to the older guys I mentioned, uh, Gary Moore, Clapton. I listen to Jason Becker, um, Andy Timmons. Vi, uh, I, I mean, I, I listen to everything. I mean, that's probably part of your success, too, is that not being locked into, you know, one style, one type of music as well. I mean, there's a lot for everybody to learn from all the different styles. And, and the same thing when I was coming up, too, is listening to people like Pat Metheny, you know, and again, like George Benson and all, stuff like Weather Report, as well as all kinds of, you know, hard rock and metal bands as well, just to round out the, the you know, the, the, the dialogue. And uh, so it's, uh, it's cool that you still players you know, like yourself that are going out and searching for all this other stuff too, and, and bringing that into your playing. Yeah. Th- thank you. Yeah. I mean, it, I really enjoy it. You know, late, lately I've been, um, what usually happens is the more I progress, then I'll go back and I'll realize, Oh, there was this cool thing that I kind of just ignored on record. Like, um, you know, really young, I was really into Aerosmith a lot. Mm-hmm. And as I still am, um, but you know, I never, I always kind of learn the tunes, but now going back, I I've been learning tunes like combination and King of Queen, uh, Kings and Queens and all of these tunes from the early records that I'm like, wow, like 
guys like Van Halen and stuff must have listened to this because it's it's like the predecessor to that. Right, exactly. And then, you know, you hear a lot of that stuff they put into those, especially the stuff on like rocks and uh and you go, Okay, I, I you know, I'm hearing where Joe Perry and, and uh and uh, Brad Whitford were listening to before that as well. And you really hear a lot of that that early early blue stuff in there as well. They're just they're just doing it with a little bit more of a crank marshal behind them. Yeah, and I mean it's so it's so amazing. Like once you listen to rocks, like so, some of the songs that um, I, I associate that Van Halen, I think like in the back of his mind, maybe he he was um, inspired. Like some of them, um, some of the Van Halen songs, like Bottoms Up, uh, Dirty Movies, and even like Light Up the Sky is kind of similar to Rats and Cellar, mm. and it's just kind of the influence he got. I, I mean, obviously it wasn't intentional. It was just kind of, I think in the back of his mind, you know, he grew up on those records and he just kind of had those grooves in his head. So he did his own thing with them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think also if you dig into that, you know, he was a big Clapton guy too. And, and obviously there's, there's a lot of blues roots in there as well. So, I mean, obviously you start getting those box patterns in there and that all melds in behind what you do as well so yeah a lot of cross-pollination happening there yeah definitely no one thing that uh you know i don't want to leave off the uh the people that are supporting you and you've obviously got a a couple of endorsements going and uh so i'd like to give you an opportunity to talk about that now i know that uh you play primarily dean guitars uh yeah i've been playing dean since about last march Mm -hmm. and i i've been playing exclusively dean um i use thoroughbreds which are kind of like their single cut guitar um, that they have, uh, as well as I use a Jackie Vincent model that's customized with some, uh, like a German Floyd and a custom uh, neck inlay. Mm. And then I also use a Nash Vegas that I got recently, which is more of like a kind of Kelly type Nashville guitar. Oh, cool. And what kind of, uh, what kind of pickups are in that, in the Telly? Um, so actually in the, I just got the Telly. So, they still get the stock pickups in it, okay. but in um, but they're, they're humbuckers. But in I, I'm gonna change them out to Fishman Fluence, which are in all my guitars, hmm. and I, I endorse them as well. And I mean, Fishman pickups are they're so they're so good. The Fluence, and I mean I've a B fifty nine Les Pauls at, at Nam. Like last year, there was a guy with fifty nines. He had a few sixty Les Pauls. And I brought over the Fishman Fluence guitar, and I AB'd them, and the Fluence pickups just blew it out of the water. Because, wow. I mean, when, when, when they're making the pickups, it, they're stacked circuit boards. So, so what they do is they bring up a... They, they literally, they'll buy, like, the nicest 59 they find, mm. and they'll bring up the diagram, the chart, like, on a computer of what the pickups sound like, the waveform. And they'll match it exactly, and every single pickup from the factory is like 0.02% accurate. What's cool, too, about the Fluence is the fact that you can have two tones on there as well, which is kind of a really unique thing on that, too, with two different settings on it. Yeah, and I I mean, I use, uh, you know, um, as I mentioned earlier, I play a lot of Sios. So when I'm playing with James, I tend to use the more 60s, glassy, like Michael Bloomfield humbucker. Mm-hmm. And, um, like early Les Pauls. And then there's also kind of like a slash or like a Van Halen, uh, a kind of like Duncan style, uh, JB thing yeah. that you can get. And 
I mean, um, I use that for basically all of my solo stuff, meme based stuff, and the Van Halen stuff when I play it. Nice. That custom neck you have with the inlay, that thing looks really sweet too. That's a nice looking neck. Oh yeah, I get um so I get I actually get those from Neck Illusions. Mm-hmm. And there you can you can order anything. Um you just email them at neckillusions.com. Um there'll be contact info and I mean I just I talked to a guy last Nam and I sent him my album work and ever since then I he's been making me all this stuff for different uh necks and different events such as NAM or I played the Guitar Gods Festival and he makes these custom inlays for my neck and you can remove them and you know it's a lot of um a lot of players actually think that it's like custom from the Dean factory. Hmm. And when it's actually, it's actually, um, from them, it's from neck illusions. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You'll be happy to know too, that I've discussed Dean guitars with two artists this month. You and the other guy was a few weeks ago talking about it with Michael Shanker. So you're in good company with Dean. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Michael's one of my heroes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He's, uh, he's definitely awesome. I've had the opportunity to talk to him a couple of times and, uh, and every time I do, it's kind of like a high point of my month is talking to Shanker. So, yeah, definitely, definitely good stuff there. Now, the amps you use, you use a, a Rev amp? Yeah, I've been, um, so I, I currently have two Rev models. Um, I have a 740, which is their 7 watt to 40 watt, um, just in the, like in the name. Hmm. And then I have a 120 watt. Um, they're both generator models, which just means they're like stack model. And when when I'm gigging, I mean, I don't like to carry a lot of stuff, so I'll use the um, 7 to 40 watt, and I'll use it on the 40 watt setting. Hmm. And, um, you know, I'll use a 1 by 12 cab, or sometimes if I need to fill out more headspace, I'll use a, I have a 2 by 12 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, in the studio, I'll use uh, the 120, because it's definitely louder, and I have the 4 by 12. Right. But it's just... It's it's just really heavy as is any stack to carry. Oh yeah, oh definitely, yeah. And you never know. Every, you go to venues, a venue, and you you like you're looking at crazy staircases and all kinds of stuff. And uh, it's just yeah, a four by four by ten, four by twelve up to, up any kind of thing like that is just a, it's yeah, it's a pain in the butt. Yeah, and I've actually um, I recently uh, I would say about three weeks ago I signed with Eminent Speakers as well. And uh, they they sent me some lead 12s, I believe is them all. And I've been using that cab. And what's really cool is it gives you their 65-watt speakers. Um, and they, they give you the fullness of a 4x12, hmm. but you don't have to carry your 4x12. With you. Nice. That's a good benefit right there. Absolutely. The rumor is that you have uh, another another CD in the works. Is that true? Yeah, it's actually, it's coming out June 14th, which is next Tuesday. Awesome. Is it more along the lines of the first one, or are you changing it up a bit, or uh, just kind of, you know, what kind of what kind of stuff do we have to expect on this new one? So it's, um, well, first of all, the title is The Chaos Continues. Okay. And it's the theme, the theme of the cover and the theme of the, whole, the, theme of the first record, it was kind of a continuous theme, and it was about an alien invasion. And it, we continue that theme, the second record, but this time it's a zombie invasion. Hmm. And um, it's kind of like the second wave, um, as I call it. And in the second record, it's all instrumental, but um, because it's instrumental, I made sure that the guitar melodies 
are very vocal like I listened to a lot of vocalists and really made my guitar um I tried to make my guitar sound like a, a vocalist actually sing mm. and also it's I would say it's more the the first one was more on the heavy metal side this one um still has those elements and has a lot more technical stuff but it the general riffage is more on the classic rock side um like 70s and 80s stuff yeah it's interesting too that you know you did the first one as kind of one theme and the second one is as another and and one thing that uh you know i i see that a lot with like what satriani writes and he's he's got stories in his head as he as he writes songs and, and i think that's part of what adds to the accessibility of a lot of the of what joe writes and and i think to a degree even uh you know vi does that a lot too and do you take inspiration from those guys with the way you approach your songwriting as well um yeah absolutely i've i mean i i've actually i've never met joe but I, I've met Vi a handful of times. Um, I mean, re- recently I just saw him about three weeks ago. Um, and you know, he, he knows me and I was, I was talking to him. Um, and we, we always kind of talk about stuff and he's very, he, he's very into, he learns history and he kind of learns everything. Hmm. I mean, he, you know, he knows hieroglyphics and he knows all of this stuff. You wouldn't think he, he expected. So, I mean, I really try to dig into when I'm naming songs and when I'm trying to uh, name or even think of melodies, sometimes I'll look into the history or look into different aspects um, of, of different cultures, just like he does. Right. Right. No, knowing that you've, you know, done stuff with Vi and you've done stuff with Ingve, I'm going to assume that you were probably up at the Generation Act show up at Hampton Beach. Um, I, I, unfortunately I wasn't at the Hampton beach one, but I, w- I, um, was at the Rhode Island one. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Cl- close enough. Yeah. The Hampton beach one was great too. I was up at that one and, uh, definitely an awesome show. Great concept that, uh, those guys had putting that thing together. <laughs>
yeah, that was, I, I mean, the show I saw was incredible. And um, actually, he, he, he didn't he didn't play, but um, backstage, Gary Sharon was there, too. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense with with Nuno on the bill as well. And it's, it's pretty close for Gary to drop by either one of those venues. So, yeah, it absolutely makes sense there. And I mean, I mean, I've seen everyone on that bill except for uh, uh, Nuno, and what? A, and you know, I loved everyone's set, but really, uh, you know, I know I knew Nuno was an excellent player and stuff, but really, his set just just blew me away. And like others I spoke to, and I mean, the same like about everyone else's set, but you know, I kind of I knew what to expect hmm. from the other people, and you know, I I didn't really know if he was going to do all solo or some extreme stuff. And the way he did it was just, and uh, like with the storytelling, it, it was just, you know, I thought it was great. And his playing was like top notch. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was, I was kind of a little bit torn about, I, like I've seen him do uh flight of the bumblebee live with Mike Mangini playing drums behind him. And that was, you know, pretty incredible to, to see that. And uh, I was really hoping, yeah, maybe he'll, he'll pull out bumblebee again I was in a way I was bummed that he didn't like go for the whole thing. But then on the other hand, it was like, eh, it wouldn't have been the same with like, a, you know, a, a pre-recorded rhythm track behind him instead of a live drummer. So that was kind of my one thing on his set was like a little give and take on that one. Uh, yeah. I'd like my favorite thing was when he, um, he, he did that joke where he went to more than words mm -hmm. and then he's like, nah, not tonight. I'm not doing that. Yeah, and it was, you know, you watch some of the people that around and they, they like ramped up when he started that and just the, the big letdown that uh, when he when he went off on that. But uh, I, I was glad he didn't do it. So do you do any kind of stuff like what Tosin was doing with with eight strings and, and that type of thing? Have you gotten into any any of the uh, that kind of guitar that, you know, Animals is doing or Periphery or any of those guys? Um, you know, I mean, I, I used to own an eight string and um, w which I don't have anymore. And I currently own a seven string. Hmm. And I mean, I've never, I've like, I've always liked Vi stuff, what he does with the seven string. And, you know, I, I definitely, I've seen animals as leaders and what they do is, is great. But, um, I mean, I'm more, I'm more into the old school guys. Mm -hmm. So, um, for me, when, when I try an eight string, I was kind of like, oh, I want to do something different. I don't want to do exactly what the the gent movement or i don't i don't want to do that movement and i experimented for a couple months and I, I wasn't really able to find anything that benefited my sound that could do it so i mean i i use lower tuning sometimes and i definitely use drop d a lot but i i've never really found um anything that was necessary to have you know a seven string or eight string on yeah yeah so Let's um, dig back a little bit in your history, and, and uh, you know, it, it's interesting because I mean, you're 18 now, correct? Um, yeah, I just turned 18. April. Okay. So knowing, you know, kind of what generation you're at and a lot of the music that was on the radio, you know, when you were growing up and all of that stuff, that there definitely was not a lot of stuff at that point for you to kind of, you know, like when I was growing up and, and you had a lot of hard rock, you had Aerosmith on the radio, you know, 
stuff off of toys and, and all of that. So you, you really had this inspiration like all the time in your ears on the radio and, and not so much anymore for a lot of the guitar playing that you do. So what, what is it that brought you into deciding, you know, I want to play guitar and I want to play guitar like that? So, so, um, what, so originally what happened was, so my dad always had blues and rock bands when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was really into Aerosmith and Clapton was his big hero. Mm-hmm. And so I was into all those guys and, and still very much am. And you went back to them. But um, I eventually got into ACDC mm-hmm. and ZZ Top and more bands like that uh, as I went on in Zeppelin and more kind of hard rock bands. And, you know, I mean, at the beginning, I was kind of, I, I always saw metal as just kind of screaming and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then um, what's actually funny is I was watching the movie Superbad, and they have um, that police chase scene where they're playing Panama. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, I heard Panama, and so I Googled it, and I found out it was Van Halen, and, you know, I watched Eruption, I watched everything. Um, and that was when I was about 11 or 12, and I was just like, wow, this guy's insane. So I got into that. And after that, I got into Ozzy and Randy Rhodes and pretty much every single um, 80s band out there, everyone from Motley Crue to Danger Danger. And I, I mean, I was just, for a while, I was only listening to music from the 80s. And um, then eventually I got into Benson and um, because he was a more technical guitar player and um, I was already into guys like Vi and Andy Timmons who have a little more jazz influence. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, now I'm going back to Keeble and Walker and all of these older school guys who I feel like influence, um, influence Aerosmith, who influence Van Halen. I'm kind of like going back to be like, oh, I, I always wondered where they got this. And then I'm hearing these older guys um, guys from the sixties, the records, it's like, it's all there where they got everything. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you listen to even stuff like, uh, you know, like you talk about Mike Bloomfield and stuff. And I mean, that's what he was doing, right? He was, he was hanging out in those clubs and, and even jamming with those guys. And, uh, and I mean, he influenced so many people afterwards with, with, with what he did. So, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's all back there. It sounds pretty cool that you peel back the layers and, and, uh, and dug back like like I did, you know, years ago too. With you know Aerosmith and Zeppelin, and going, okay, well, Yardbirds. Let's let's find out where the Yardbirds got their stuff, and going through the whole English blues movement and all of that, and and going back to you know guys like Elmore James and stuff. So it's uh, yeah, it is cool that here it is, just all these years later, and, and you're even doing the same thing and peeling that back and finding out the basis for all this stuff. Yeah, and I, I mean, what's really cool is how, especially like guys like Clapton who redid all of those songs by um, like Clapton's big guy was Robert Johnson mm. and all, all of these guys who redid all these um, old school songs, like even back from the thirties, you, you can really find some cool songs that many people haven't redone as much. And you can find a, find your own songs that like pe- many people haven't even heard of because it's been so long. But if you put your own spin on it and maybe add some hard rock, then people will really like it. And I mean, uh, the obvious example is with Crossroads. I mean, Clapton's version sounds, um, in my opinion, 
the groove doesn't sound anything like Robert Johnson's. Right. But I'm, I mean, that song is so incredible. And it's, it's basically like he wrote his own song, but just borrowed his lyrics. Oh, yeah. I mean, if anyone went back and listened to the original, they'd be like, really? It's, yeah, it is, it is quite a bit different. And, uh, you know, just even the way that, that Robin Johnson played and stuff, he wouldn't have been, he doesn't fly along like that. So, uh, yeah, it is cool the way they interpreted all those songs and kind of made them their own. And I think that's probably part of what, why people go back to artists like that too. And, and because they didn't just regurgitate what they heard, but they, they put their own style and spin on it as well. And, uh, you know, it's cool that, you know, even you're picking that up as well. And, you know, I can, I can imagine, you know, like doing a gig with James, he, that's what he's expecting too, is that you, you add that in and bring that whole thing to the party. Yeah. And, um, you even, I mean, like Ingve Malmsteen goes back to Paganini and I, I mean, like they, all those guys like Ingve and Blackmore, they all play, uh, they, they all seem to play green sleeves too, hmm. which is like from the 1600s. Right. Yeah. That, is, I mean, that is something too. Cause, uh, I don't know about you, but when I do, you know, practice or warm up or stuff, that's some of the stuff that I do do is, is, uh, either some finger style classical or, or just even, uh, like little latitudes and things like that. Just because for some reason they just, I don't know, they work as a warm up. Yeah. I mean, um, pe- people always, like to to me, people always think they always lump uh, Malmsteen in with a lot of players that maybe came after and did a lot of shred. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in my opinion, I think especially uh, he had a new album that just came out, and I mean, I think the style he's writing is really very purely like if he was in the uh, 1700s, I think he would have been a classical composer and what he's doing is very much the same as guys as Paganini, like Paganini and Bach did back then. Mm-hmm. Um, versus I feel like the guys who got influence from him, um, weren't, weren't really doing it, um, to emulate Paganini or these older guys. Um, although I, I'm sure some of them were. And I, I think that, the guys he influenced who were also influenced by Van Halen and other guys, they kind of, they kind of have their own thing and they have, they're all unique. And that's what makes, that's what makes like uh general other Shrek guys different from Ingve because they'll, I mean, they'll have so much other influence and Ingve is kind of purely classical and Blackmore. And I mean, he's really, just trying to be a violinist on guitar, which, I mean, I commend. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I think you're right, too, that a lot of people that did, you know, they talk about getting influenced by Yngwie, and they, they picked up, you know, the speed, the dexterity, and all that, but they, along the way, they lost some of the, the, the compositional aspects of, of what he does. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, that's not, like, a bad thing, but it's just, like, how they're different. Yeah, well, I mean, I can remember, you know, being in bands, in the eighties and the nineties. And I can remember for a certain chunk of time, the fact that like, I could never find anybody that could play rhythm guitar that uh, I ended up switching from bass to rhythm to play the songs I was writing. Cause everybody that we would pick up, all they were concerned with was how many notes they could play and how fast they could play and how flashy they could play. And they missed like the whole other part of Ingve or even like Eddie, which is, which is the rhythm without that, without that rhythm foundation that those guys would lay down, all the rest of it just wouldn't have worked. And uh, that was like lost on a, 
a huge chunk of players for a long period of time. Yeah, and um, even, like, I've watched a ton of Paul Gilbert stuff, for example, and, I mean, he'll be the first to say that, really, you know, all of the shred stuff is great, but really, you need the melody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he says that a lot, and he, I, I think lately, he's going back to a lot of blues stuff, too, and jazz stuff. And, um, I mean, he's been covering a lot of those old-school tunes on his later records that I've been following. Mm-hmm. And he's really much like into the melody, and I mean, shred can, you know, shred stuff can have melody, um, and you know that's what I really like about guys like Ingve and Paul, where uh, you know they, they play fast, but definitely um, the fast stuff they do play. If if you slow it down, if it's it's too fast, or even at the full tempo, it's really melodic. It's not just kind of a Oh, this is a scale. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, obviously you've got the new album coming out. So where's the best place for people if they're like, yeah, you know, I want to check this guy out. Where do they go to pick up that album? Um, so, I mean, the best place, if you want a hard copy CD, is www.tylerdmorris.com, uh, T-Y-L-E-R-T-M-O-R-R-I-S.com. Uh, and it's all, if you check out my Facebook page, all that info is on that, too. And um, actually on my site, there's links to my YouTube page. And uh, there's, there's two options. If you want to buy it on iTunes, there's a link to iTunes. Um, but if you want to buy it a hard copy, I have a shop on my website. Okay. And uh, through the shop, you can choose to buy... Um, you, you can choose to buy my first CD, my second CD, um, and I have some other merch items such as shirts and stuff available. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I, I know myself, I like to buy a hard copy. Yep. And I mean, I, I think it's, I think <clears throat> with hard copies, since you get the full artwork and you get the full liner notes and stuff, I mean, I always have fun reading that stuff. So that, that's what I prefer. I think you get more of your money's worth that mm-hmm. way. Yeah, you you are an old school dude, I, definitely. I mean, that's right there. When you say you like to read the liner notes, I, I, you've got an old school heart, man. Because that's I've I've talked to a lot of other players. I've even I've even talked to Joe Perry about liner notes, and that's definitely that's like a hallmark of of old school, right there. Is is you know sitting there listening to the music and and just reading every little bit of liner notes. And uh, I was I was telling Joe Perry about it. That uh, I said my favorite line of notes ever were the ones on his first Joe Perry project CD because he listed every guitar and every bit of studio gear he used in making that that album and I just sat there and just read every single piece of gear and uh, just uh, just good stuff you know when you, you get deep into liner notes like that. Actually, uh, speaking of Joe Perry, I'm, I mean I'm, I'm definitely sure you know, but uh, Dave Howell, you know, is a bass player for uh, Joe Perry project. Yeah. And and James Montgomery and I mean he he's a really good friend with mine uh, of mine. I actually you know, yesterday I played a um, like I said I played a gig with James mm-hmm. and I mean it's always great playing with his full band. But what's really cool about Dave is he's always he's always either to my left or my right. So he's always um, we're always giving each other cues and stuff and. He'll always be like, hey, hey, man, like, try this, and I'm, I'm going to try this bass line. Or if he does something, like, sometimes I'll either play octaves or harmonies. And, I mean, I really kind of communicate with him um, on a musical level, and we talk before and after shows. And 
and he as West as well as the rest of the band, they're they're all really great guys. And playing with them is just the musicality, the level of it is it's just so mature. Like I mean, every guy, even though they may be a blues band, I mean you can tell they've definitely listened to everything from jazz to even some hard rock. Oh yeah, I mean Dave's been around the scene for a long time, and and definitely a a really really good bass player and. Uh, yeah, so it's it's cool that he's out there playing with James now too. Yeah, and um, oh, also I have a vinyl collection too. There you go. <laughs> Good stuff there, isn't that? I mean, that is weird too. That like vinyl is is coming back, and uh, I know that uh, I was talking to my brother, and he was talking about how my nephews are like fighting over all the all the vinyl, and they all want like all the all the same albums and stuff, and uh, they they know better than to even bother to ask me for any of mine. It's like, nope, it's not going anywhere. Stick them. My vinyl stays right where it is. Uh, but it is amazing that vinyl's coming back as big as it is. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I was talking to, whenever I go to Nashville, which I'm going in a few weeks for summer now, mm-hmm. um, I always go to, I always stop by United Pressing. And I've been talking with them for a few years about doing uh, some runs of vinyls. But, um, you know, I, I've been going back and forth because if you check the numbers, uh, like one year will be up and then one year sales will be down. And I mean, for myself, I feel like it would be cool. But, um, I mean, C- CDs, a lot of people just buy stuff on iTunes. So yeah. I, I think a lot of people don't even have vinyl players at this point. Yeah, yeah. But I think even, I mean, you got some pretty cool artwork. That artwork would look great on 12 by 12 as opposed to four and a half. It's uh, definitely have a nice package you could probably put together to offer up and get people interested in, in wanting to buy it. It's one of those ones, you know, you, you know, you stick through the record stacks and you go, wow, that looks cool. I think I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to buy it just because the cover looks cool. It's got to be cool inside. And, and I think your artwork has that kind of a carry to it. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, and you know, United Pressing actually said that they could do a picture disc, or um, we were talking about doing like a swirl, mm. but more of the for the new CD would be in the purple and kind of an orange and yellow color swirl to match the CD. Well, oh, that's cool, awesome. Well, you know, I'm glad that I finally got a chance to talk to you. I know we got put off a couple of weeks; schedule's been crazy, but uh, I'm glad that. I was able to to actually get to talk to you and, and be able to, to get you on the same episode with Paul Gilbert. I just, for some reason, listening to your stuff and now even listening to your philosophy around music and all that. I think it's a really good match having you on the show with uh, with Paul. And uh, hopefully people that dig Paul are going to check out your stuff and, and, uh, and dig what you do, too. And uh, if you had to pick a favorite track off of The Chaos Continues for me to, to roll out this interview with, uh, what would it be? Um, well, the, so, so track, um, so my favorite would be Subterranean Inferno, mm-hmm. but the track that, um, people might get a kick out would be the last tune, The Hunt. Okay. And that's because, uh, Joe Stump actually plays, I think it's about two minutes. Um, it's a guest solo and that was, you know, we did a kind of trade thing where we both went to, I went to his house and I played my solo and then he improvise his solo mm-hmm. and it's i mean it's one of the best joe stump solos i've ever heard awesome there's a that's a good endorsement right there and also that's another joe stump's another great guy here in massachusetts too and i mean you know no he's doing yours i mean he even offered me was t- when i talked to him a few years ago he's like yeah you know i know you do tracks if you ever want to get solo on there 
just you know give me a call i'll i'll, I'll do a solo for you and you know he did it and then uh, even uh even reference offered to throw solos in for me as well but uh, joe is definitely another great massachusetts guy and uh, super super guitar player as well and, and what's so um what's so cool is actually uh he you know i asked him how long it took mm-hmm. and he's like well I, he's like i did two takes and i just kind of dragged it out to wherever i thought it ended up being around two minutes or i, I forget the exact time and he's like um but after i listened back and the first take was the best so i just kept that and sent it to you <laughs> And it, it, I mean, it took him, you know, probably took him, I think, um, about like three minutes to set up his rig and then two minutes to record it. Yeah. He, the guy's amazing. He really is. And and such a cool guy, though, to talk to. He's just, you know, just, uh, you know, no ego, no nothing, just a real down to earth guy. And, and he can just play his butt off. It's amazing. Yeah. And I was, um, I mean, I was, uh, as I mentioned, I played at the Guitar Gods Festival um, in Miami where he opened for Inve and Steve I. And Nico McBride and Gus G and um, also my friend Rudy Sarzo was there. And after that, I actually I went on a cruise and I did a couple of sets with Ingvae's band. And um, you know Joe's band, Black Knight's Castle, was one of the bands on the bill. Hmm. And one of the reasons that I was so excited about going out there was, <clears throat> I mean, I, I get hang out with Joe on about twice twice a week here. But, um, you know, he's always a blast to hang out with. And on, on the cruise, it, it was just super fun because, I mean, the, the amount of guys on that cruise, everyone from Zach Wilde to Yngwie to Mars Freeman, mm. and every single one of them knew and respected Joe. Nice. Yeah, and, and I heard that was all uh, um, like a really good time as well, uh, doing that Guitar Gods and... Uh... I was hanging out in a bar with uh, with Gus G's Guitar Tech a few weekends ago, and uh, yeah, he had some great stories about that whole deal. So uh, it was cool that you were able to be a part of it as well. Yeah, and what was really cool is, um, so I was hanging with Gus backstage uh, before my set, and Joe had said to me um, that, oh, oh, it's really cool because two stump students are, are going to be on the Guitar Gods Fest, you and Gus G. So, um, you know, I told Gus G, I'm like, hey, by the way, I'm really good friends with Joe. He's my teacher. He's my mentor. And he told me to say hello to you. And, and Gus G is like, like, where's Joe? I need to say hi to him. And it, it turned out that Joe's play, um, plane came in late. Mm-hmm. So he didn't actually get in until about three quarters way through the show. <laughs> oh, man. Glad I finally got to be able to talk to you, Tyler. And, uh, you know, definitely uh, amazing player, especially, you know, for as, as long as you've been doing it as well. And uh, so it's, I'm sure that you're just going to keep getting better and better and uh, can't imagine where you're going to be in another five or 10 years from now. But uh, got that old school spirit behind you. A lot of great players that are influencing you as well. Look forward to seeing what comes out with every other subsequent album. And I uh, definitely would, uh, you know, when you got the uh, number three ready to come out or you want to talk about anything else you're doing, would love to have you come back on the show. You obviously have my email address, so feel free to get a hold of me and, uh, you know, we can also continue to use Focus on Metal to uh, to promote everything you do. Awesome. Um, th- thanks for having me. And actually, speaking of the third CD, hmm. I, I actually got, um, about I would say, about 75% of the tracks ready. Um, n- not record, but I got them written. Wow. And I'm just, right now, I'm writing vocals and figuring out logistics of where I'm going to record and, and the final tunes. Mm-hmm. 
And that one's turning out to be much more of a classic rock, um, kind of like Hendrix blues vibe. Hmm. But there, there's going to be some cool guests on that one um, as well. Like, I'm, I think I might have the keyboard player from Ingve's band. Um, Joe's going to be on it. I'm, I think Gary Hoey might um, guest on it. And there, I mean, it, in it, it's not just the genres I mentioned too. Like I'm, I'm going to be doing a lot of neoclassical and technical stuff as well. Nice. Nice. So yeah, definitely when, uh, when you've got that one in the can and it's ready to come out, definitely want you to get a hold of me so I can have you back on and uh, let people know that, uh, that Tyler's got a new one out. Awesome. All right, cool. Well, again, I apologize for being late, uh, kicking this one off, but, uh, anyways, again, Tyler, great to talk to you. And on, honestly, as soon as it's ready to come out, Get a hold of me. Love to have you back on. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good one. All right. Bye. Bye. Per request of Tyler Morris, this is The Hunt featuring Joe Stump.
you say we lay down one more guitar track for the show? We really can't do a guitar-focused show featuring Tyler Morris and Paul Gilbert without playing a little bit of Jason Becker. So off of Jason's Perpetual Burn album, this is the title track, Perpetual Burn. That is a wrap for another week of Focus on Metal. Big thanks to Paul Gilbert and Tyler Morris for coming on the show. We were so close to getting three guitarists on the show this week. I was supposed to do an interview with Vinnie Moore. I was trying to schedule that one up about the same time I was doing the one with Tyler and uh, shot back a couple of dates to Vinnie. And uh, as luck would have it, the morning that I'm mixing this, I got back an email from Vinnie saying, you know, sorry, dude, I don't know how I missed this email. Let's try to see if we can reschedule again. So we came very close to having a Paul Gilbert, Vinnie Moore, and Tyler Morris show, but uh, close, but uh, but no metal cigar. Anyways, make sure you go out and pick up a copy of Paul's brand new one, I Can Destroy. And also get yourself a copy of Tyler Morris's new one, The Chaos Continues. Go up to tylerdmorris.com. So I have no idea what is on tap for next week. Lots of things to choose from. Just haven't quite narrowed down what it is that we are going to lay on you. But we do have some good stuff ready to go. So while you're waiting for that, make sure you keep up with us at FocusOnMetal.net, FocusOnMetal.blogspot.com, on Facebook, on Twitter. You know the drill. So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, as usual, have yourselves a great metal week. And until we talk to you again next week... Remember, focus on metal. Everything else is insignificant.
it's over. Go home.